in a world where emus run free and four random guys with microphones and computers can freely broadcast worldwide, you're listening to The Map Report. Left my home back in Omaha See if I can make it out in the world And I got as far as Wichita Suddenly I wasn't sure anymore Lost all my friends in Los Angeles And I'm not welcome in New York Stop back in Omaha Where the fans, they always crying out for Alright, and if you're set, and if we're all set, then here we go. Welcome to episode 22 on March 22nd, 2002. No, 2002. Um. <laughs> no ums. Uh, <laughs> already stories breaking the sound rules. So what's going on, everyone out there? How can I blast it? Welcome to... Uh, they can't answer, Greg. They can hear you, but they can't answer. You always ask that question. You I know. Say, well, what's going on? Because I figure, respond. even if they're talking to their speakers, <laughs> talking to their iPod, their MP3 player as they're running along on the treadmill or commuting to wherever it is that they go, they they, they can't respond. And if they do, they just sound crazy. See, I would think yeah, that if somebody who I think somebody who talked about the Global Consciousness Project would realize that as long as they're commuting and they're saying something like, Hi, Greg, thanks for welcoming me to the MEP report. We're creating a dialogue in a karmic sense, okay? And that's what I'm interested in, the universal karma of dialogue. That's what I'm all about. Well, that's some bullcrap that there. About? That's some <laughs> real bullcrap. For your sake, Greg, I censored myself. I know, I appreciate that. For the beaver's um, sake. For the end for the Chronicles of Narnia. I've had way too much beaver lately. I've had enough <laughs> beaver for one week. I know. So we want to. We should mention that, by the way, as we get started here. So we've got we've got three of us here today. Um, this is actually the first show that only has Andy Story and myself, and not Russ and some combination, because Russ's voice was blown out from our marathon session of last week. Those of you who listened to Mep Report 21 and heard my Austria may death attempts may never listen again. May never God listen again. Bless you if you came back. I know. If you came back from that situation, yeah. we'd like to thank you. And anyway, Seriously. so that means that Russ Please is... do not see Map Report 21 as representative of us. Yeah. No, no. Well, we I mean, you have that. to be to come back after that. It had, you know, it had some good moments. The problem was that Austria just wasn't... Like, I was saying to Story earlier tonight that there was some screwed-up firewall that I was trying to deal with in the hotel lobby in Austria where I was, and I just had this image of walking up to them and being like, yeah. So, I'm an American... Would it be okay for you, the Austrian, to lower your security so I could do an American comedy show that is based on an emu's mating call? And they just look at him. I have a feeling that wouldn't have gone over very well. It's just my guess. But you couldn't even but try. But you didn't try. So <laughs> I know. Never know. Couldn't do it for the show. Couldn't do it for I, the show. I know. It's true. Well, you know, every time I walked close yeah. to the guy, he gave me this glare, so I was concerned. Anyway, so we're all back, except for Russ, who's resting his voice. He'll be back next week. Uh, and actually, we thought we were going to have everybody on new headsets in their home bases, but it turns out next week, Andy's going to be in Italy, so he's either not going to be here or he's going to be reporting from Italy. So we're still not, you know, we don't have all four of us on new headsets at our home bases, but it's okay. That's what adds to the variety and spice of life that is the uh, that is the MEP report, so... As do bronchial infections. Those also add to variety and spice. Yeah. Right, Andy? 
Oh. <laughs> See? He wow. had a bronchial infection. Bam. He couldn't take it anymore. Uh, that's pretty Bam. impressive right there. I took him out. Oh, man. That was a one-shot. You know, Story... He used, I, used to play Dark Age. He just got one-shotted. <laughs> Bam. When I said that yeah. it was... You know, that he had to be made to suffer for not having a real headset. I don't think you really needed to poison him with a virus and then cut out his computer access. That's a little strong. Hey, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. And <laughs> my cat is certainly not a henchman, and I resent the implication. <laughs> so I guess uh, I guess the first order of business is to, um, is after thanking everyone and telling everybody about what's going on a little bit, I guess first order of business is to sort of catch up on the uh, travels of uh, people from Mepland uh, near and far. So you were in uh, Pismo last week, if I'm not mistaken, after our show. So and so what was Pismo You're like? not mistaken. What was Pismo like? Um... I love Pismo. Pismo it's like, I like saying the name Pismo. You, Pismo. It's true. Yeah. Pismo, Pismo, basically, everyone there, if you lean their heads back and uh, sort of grab at their neck a little bit, they give you these really delicious candies. It's really awesome. That's the subset of Pismo. Um, yes, I see. Yes, Pismo. No, uh, no Pismo's fine. Uh, it's a sort of beachy community. It's actually very similar to where I spent part of my childhood in Oregon, on the north coast of Oregon. And it's this beachy community, but they allow uh, driving on the beach, which I can't say I endorse. Uh, it's oh. pretty ridiculous. Welcome back, Bronk. Welcome back, Bronk Andy. Man. <laughs> Your so. bastard Austria connection just booted me. I can't believe we went back to Austria after last week. <laughs> I thought there was a delicious irony in it, actually. Um, it's true. So we're, we're recording we're, for some reason, on a server via dear Austria. listeners, we are on the. Austria server. It says on my screen right now, Willkommen auf dem Austria TS server. <laughs> and of That's course, right. trying to censor us again. Right. Well, and it's yeah. probably the same well, guy. I know, it's true. We're, we're spreading the message one listener at a time. It's a good point. Um, so Story was just talking about having gone to Pismo and how people drive on the beach. So what do you, do you mean they drive in dune Pismo? buggies? Pismo, yeah. I love that Is name. That no, I mean they drive Pismo. motor vehicles. Gas they drive cars in. on the beach? Cars, yes. Cars. That well, happens in Daytona often, Beach, too. The beach where I grew up. Often SUVs. Everybody For, parks on the beach. Often. You have your picnic right there next to your car on the beach. You just drive your no, freaking I mean, Lexus right up to the water and... <laughs> I mean, you don't want yeah. to drive your car close, too when, close to the water because you get stuck, but you're about, I don't know, 20 feet from the water, I suppose. Really? Oh, People do get a lot stuck closer too. to Pismo. Because they drive, actually, mostly they're actively just driving. It's like they're sightseeing by driving along the actual beach. <laughs> so it's not like they're parking their car and getting out and having a picnic. They're just drive. It's like a highway. When Emily and I went out, it was very stormy, so it wasn't great weather, but we briefly went to stick our toes in the water, and we, like, if we backed up two feet, we would have been hit by a car. Um, <laughs> so that what? should give you a sense. <laughs> I am not kidding. Yeah, Daytona's not, not quite that bad. I, no, wait a minute. I think they're restricted from getting that close to the water because people are walking around in the water, right? All right, wait, but wait, though, I don't yeah. understand. So Andy just talked about how Daytona is the beach he's referring to. Now, Daytona is famous for the Daytona 500, where they have cars. Meanwhile, the reason you were in Pismo at all was because you were there with the Pergs. So are you telling me that the green-friendly well, Pergs the went too. to a beach with bunches of the cars Pismo, driving yeah. next to you, and Andy didn't we have this problem? The, the Pismo 2 auto race, which is actually conducted on the beach. And if you lap around the Pacific Ocean twice, then you win the race. It's a very <laughs> okay. long race. Yeah, yeah, I bet, yeah. <laughs> I'm choking on my own phlegm here, guys. The rings of choking fire. on my own phlegm to bring the show to you. 
Yeah. Um, and we appreciate that. We do. We do. So you did that. And the other thing you did, which I thought was pretty funny, was you played basketball there, um, except that you were labeled with a particular, I don't know, description that you didn't care for in terms of your quality of play. How did the guy yes, describe it? I was, I was whitey. I was called <laughs> by Emily's boss. I was called the person who misses his first 15 shots and then can't be stopped. Which, Whoa. you know, is not yeah. the greatest endorsement ever. It's probably true, but it's still not a great endorsement. You're like uh, so, Allah Abdel Nabi. Allah Abdel Nabi from yeah. Duke. Anyone who ever followed uh, college basketball. Oh, yeah, in the early 1990s. He was known as the foul sponge yeah. at UConn because basically his job was to go and pick up three fouls and leave. But he was also one of those guys who would miss a ton of shots, and then in, and at the end of the game, all of a sudden, it was like, Abdul Nabi, Abdul Nabi dunks, Abdul Nabi, Abdul Nabi with the shot. Like, if he could stay in the game long enough to get his shots, all of a sudden, like, he clicked in and he became Michael Jordan. He started out as, like... I always wanted to join the Peace Corps when I was a kid so I could teach guys like that how to play basketball. You know, go over to the Congo <laughs> and... And build a makeshift basketball court with do you think that, made from reeds. Do you think yeah, Allah yeah, Abdel Nabi? Oh, there boy. was some movie about the makeshift. I that the second you said that, I just had this vision of a movie it, where they I, all like sit around and sing Zulu songs, and then they put up a makeshift basketball court. It might have been called The Air Up There. That's right, The yes, Air Up I There. Think that's what it is. Yes. Uh, except oh, that the, yeah. Andy. That's exactly. So that was your your dream life. Andy, I want to be clear yes, on this. You think the name that Allah Abdul Nabi is an African is is African in origin, huh? Allah Abdul Nabi. Well, he could be Arabic, but an Arabic basketball player? Did they lower the net? Yeah, he, he, was <laughs> he was actually Egyptian. He was actually Egyptian. Oh my god! Wow, this is. I'm not sure I sponsor anything that's going on here. Uh, <laughs> so Welcome to the preparatory. Like Goldstein on the court? I don't understand. Because <laughs> okay. Abdul Nabi Goldstein. Oh and, god. Uh, and I was about to say Chan, but then I remembered Yao Ming, so I'll just stop myself there. That's right, that's right. Okay, set the scene, Story. No, I just want to set the scene that Andy is sitting there having dreams at age, say, 14 in Ocala, Florida. Now, have there been any other 14-year-olds from Ocala, Florida in the news lately? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Ooh. No, have there been? No. I don't know. I may have missed this. Fourteen-year-old Ocala, Florida. I, I only I only bring it up, Drew. I only bring it up because it's your hometown. So I thought. What happened I there? I missed this. What happened? There was a teacher who. Uh, oh, was, that. Uh, fun with her fourteen-year-old. I didn't know it was student. from Ocala. Was Ocala. What? Yeah, oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Ocala, the, Florida. The, the, the female teacher who was in love with the kid. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the white. Absolutely. That was Ocala. That was Ocala. Do you remember her name? Do you remember her name? I can look it up. But here's uh, the thing. They kept talking have, about what, how you they... Think, you think you knew her? Here's the I mean, thing. It's not a, it's not I'm going to look it up. Large place. I'm going to look and it up, but... my mom was a teacher, and I went to many schools there. I moved around a lot, so... Here's the thing I want to make clear, though. Having seen a picture of this teacher, I don't understand the argument where the mother says, oh, she definitely deserves jail. Now, if I were the 14-year-old and she were my teacher, um, I don't think jail would have entered my mind. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe you're <laughs> saying Hey, wow. if I were the 14-year-old? Wow. <laughs> Greg is hot for teacher. I mean, oh in that particular case, I would have been. Maybe. Who knows? Greg, are there things about your past that you would like to discuss? Yes, I'd like, like to, to begin by saying that as a 14-year-old teen, uh, you know, there was nothing related to my libido going on at that time, ever, at the age of 14. I'm sorry. Unlike most men <laughs> who saying. at 14 were not interested. Uh, I mean, there's one thing to 
be interested, and there's another thing to go there, right? I mean, I don't know. Well, Maybe I mean, not. I would have been interested Maybe in the not. point. Maybe not. This is America. Okay. I mean, I'm Fair saying... Enough. I mean, let's be honest. If you had been hit on by a really hot teacher and you were 14, would this not have crossed your mind to go this way? I mean, w- would that not have happened? No, it would not have crossed my mind, but I'm, I'm it probably It wouldn't have crossed your mind? In some ways. Andy, would it have crossed your mind? I mean... Andy, what do you mean crossed our mind here? Acting on it or, you know, I don't know. Holy crap, I mean, she's this hot. is a weird conversation. She's so hot. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, she's uh, like the ideal for, for a young teenager. She's like platinum blonde, very pretty, 23 years old. I actually admit I went on a couple of dates when I was a senior with a new teacher at my school. Aha! We did, well, there you go. Happened. Boo, yeah. Didn't go Not anywhere. when you were 14, we just went out for dinner. Probably when she you were 17. She, we were, yeah, I was 17. She, I, I was almost, I wasn't quite 18 yet. And she was getting her first divorce already. She had married this older man, and actually, it was really a drag. The whole date was about her relationship. She would, she went on and on both dates, and and after the second one, I think we both realized this, this wasn't going anywhere. The whole time, just talking Why? about Wait, talking about her ex husband wasn't your favorite conversation topic. I don't That's understand. Always my yeah, definitely, definitely didn't. You know. Wait a minute. How old? Her. You were 17. How old was? How how old was she? She was like 22. Mm. 22. I see. She had just graduated from college. See, I was going to make the argument that, that what actually... T- I was going re- to go unnamed. I was going to reverse it for you, Andy, and say, let's say that you were you had a 14-year-old in your class. I figured that might fit your uh, profile a little bit better. No, there was a girl in my <laughs> class, though, who, in, who was 18, who just turned 18 in senior year, became a stripper. That was big news. Like, really? We were halfway through senior year. Yeah. There are lots of girls who were dating older guys, too. That was really common. Did this happen Much for you guys? guys. Military Did guys. Lots of military guys would, like, cherry-pick these these little girls. Like, uh, you know, 15-year-old girls. Like, 18, 19-year-old guys in the military. It was really strange. And it's but, like the parents felt like they couldn't interfere because he's in the military. He's serving his country. You know, he deserves to come home to some, you know, young tale. I'm trying to censor myself. I'm doing a good job so far. <laughs> sort of. Um... <laughs> So I was going to ask, did this ever happen to you guys that when, I don't know if this is just the product of, you know how people sometimes say like when people get older, um, as they get older, you know, they, they find that people, they, like when I was in high school and I was a freshman, I remember the girls in senior, you know, this, their senior years of high school when I was a freshman, I remember thinking that they were extraordinarily attractive and unbelievably mature, like in looks, just like clearly like young women. Whereas when I got to that age, the people in my class, I was like, they just didn't have the same. I just always thought they were so clearly more mature than me when they were actually. There's only like a three or four year difference in my high school. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Was that just me? Well, or I think did this like, is an way, ongoing can, symptom can of life in the process. This teacher of was up. not from Ocala. She actually she's from Tampa, but she went to Ocala just to sleep with this kid. She was a Tampa <laughs> teacher, so I didn't know her. There you I go. Think that's amazing. That's, that's what, what I'm talking about. Drive. That's what I'm talking Couldn't about. Couldn't she find some 14 year old in Tampa? Not the Maybe right fourteen-year-olds, and not just fourteen-year-olds in pr- in principle. Maybe she liked the guy so much she was willing to overlook that he was fourteen. Don't you believe That's in really love sweet. and romance? That's right. Come on. That's just very, because the very, soulmate, very you know, I don't think soulmates should be restricted by legal age con- concerns. That's my that's my issue. You know, she's a soulmate. That's the way she viewed it. I mean, there you go. I'm sure that's how he viewed it too. She apologized for what <laughs> I know. she did. I know. Well, she looks like she's wearing an engagement ring in this picture too. She's resting her her head on her hand, and she's got this huge rock on her, you know, the left hand ring finger. I wonder, uh, you know, if she's right. got a, a guy. I'm serious. Oh yeah. 
she's just she's moved up to an 18 year old (laughs) that's like her new that's her new uh her new stretch yeah i don't know um ocala made the map awesome so, Story, you were saying that you understood what I was saying about the whole age thing and viewing the way older oh, or younger. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I would get... Right. I, that's where I was going. I was going to say that I think that that's like a symptom of any sort of aging process, right? Like, I still remember vividly when I was, like, in, you know, first grade and looking at the sixth graders like they were the oldest people in the world. They yeah. seemed, like, twice as old as my parents somehow just because yeah. they were gargantuan and whatever else. You know, and then I remember being a senior in high school looking at sixth graders thinking that they looked younger than preschoolers. And yep. it's just like, you know, so it's just that process, it, it really does amaze me because I can still have memories from any given age, from, you know, age 4, age 7, age 12, and remember exactly how everyone seemed relative to that, and it seems totally preposterous and ridiculous now. And yep. It really scares me to think that I'm going to, you know, wake up tomorrow and be 89 and be like, I remember when 89-year-olds seemed like they were ancient, and now <laughs> that's me, and everyone else is so young and immature and stupid and those, fabulous. What are they doing? You know, those 60-year-olds are like, such whippersnappers. You know, exactly. Seriously. And I start to, I don't know, I feel like the only reaction you can really have to that experience is just total compassion for everybody. It's like, all right, <laughs> everything really is about perspective and a relative like understanding from where you stand, so... You really can't blame anyone too much for anything. Wow. Too much. So, sto- story is becoming yeah, Mr. Relativist. This is great. Perspective for me. I this mean, is great. No, not really. I mean, this is a great I'm move. just saying compassion. You know, you can still slam them for it, but you can feel bad. <laughs> about it. I, I don't know. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's a very beautiful story. That's a great sentiment. Yeah, I just want you to know, man, I hate you, but I'm sorry that I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think that's fairly reasonable. You know, I can be upset and angry with them, but sort of understand in some way that on a larger level, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think that's sort of what everything everything comes down to, right? That you can forgive even if you're, you know, upset about it in the, in the context. That people do all sorts of awful things and they deserve to be condemned for being awful, but ultimately forgiven. I think that's a pretty reasonable standard. Sounds good to me. This is really a Let me ask you a question. This is really then. a moving MEP report. Do you forgive do you forgive Gary Sheffield? Cuz it just came out today that he For injected what? himself with human growth hormone and what? something else some other Where did this come out? Yeah, the, you know that book the Barry yeah, the Barry Bonds book. They just released another excerpt and I can actually read the quote to you. So it's not just the cream. He admitted to the green cream, but he also is doing HGH. Well, the cream was um, because he mistakenly put it on him without realizing what he was he doing, right? He thought it was Ben Gay. So this one, he thought it he, was Ben Gay. So he just tripped that he fell on a needle. He I can see that. Testosterone and yeah, human just, growth hormone in January 2002. It's all totally legitimate. He was walking out of his house. He was on his way to go to the park. All of a sudden, he trips. At the same time, the Balco guy who was going to give drugs to Bonds happened to fall in the street in front of him. The bag opens up. Wouldn't you know it? The needle sticks in the crack. Sheffield's lands right on it, and the next thing you know, he's hitting home runs it all makes sense to me that's right you know he actually after he he had that famous falling out with bonds he he kept in touch with bonds bonds's trainer after that specifically to get steroids and they actually have a calendar that from the trainer anderson <laughs> that you know the famous guy now that documented his use of hgh and testosterone they actually have his name written on the calendar when he why would I, why do people do this like in all these scandals why would you make a calendar of your illegal activities? Ah, because, I mean, my I'm friend. Because secretly you know you're going to end up being the, the whistleblower. Ultimately, well, that. You know. but he's not, 
that was he you're the whistleblower? Be the one. I thought Anderson was denying it, wasn't he? Or well, no, he, but that's I don't know. I, I think mean, it's, at a certain point, you have to own up to it. I think it's also that I, I just what the Greeks said, which is character is destiny. I think that's true. I think that you know a lot of these people they just have this kind of arrogance about the way they go about things, and they're like, I just want to document all this so I can show it to friends or neighbors or you know. It's like why do these like these rock stars all make these sex tapes of themselves, which somehow will find their way into the internet? How does that I happen? I think I have a better understanding of that, Greg. <laughs> well, I think they probably like to watch the sex tape afterwards. No, but no, 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 no. Looking but at your calendar. No, 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 no. Can't possibly as, be as gratifying as watching yourself, you know, sleep with a model. But the I thing mean, about the sex can't tape. Can't possibly be as good. But the thing about the sex tape is, you, can't, you know, you don't have to do it in such. How does it? Like, all you would have to do is do is do like I don't know one tape and keep it like with you all the time or something like that, as opposed to something which happens. Like, I think these people practically burn DVD ROMs and they're like, I was shocked that it ended up on the internet. I mean, there's how did it happen? That anyway, I know what you mean. It's a little different, but I think the same kind of arrogance is at play in both cases. Well, I honestly think that most of the people who have those kinds of tapes released about them desperately want them to be released. In many cases, yeah. There. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I don't... I, think I, that's quite I really, really doubt that anyone who's had one of those... And then they make a big deal of protesting it, so they get t double the publicity, because they know protesting it, and then it's like, I don't want my reputation sullied, by the way, by my album. You know, it's like, I, I don't know. I think that that kind of stuff is like instant promotional gold and people definitely deliberately design that kind of thing as far as that yeah the other stuff i don't know i think there might be a certain extent to which people are just want to document how much they're getting away with and things like that that mm -hmm. you know they want to be meticulous and organized and just be like yeah you know look look what i can do this is great but i yeah. think also a lot of the time they feel that if they protect themselves with good records then ultimately they won't be the ones who takes a fall if, if it ever ends up hitting the fan. They can be the best witness. Because honestly, I mean, this is something I've thought about for a long time. Our American justice system is so haphazard because of the way that people have to testify against each other. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, Andy, being the lawyer. But, you know, if you think about it, like, Wait, who Andy's gets a lawyer? prosecuted and who doesn't? Sweet. <laughs> I know, you wouldn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, if you think about our justice system, like, when there's a whole bunch of people, say a whole bunch of mob bosses going down or something in a sting or drug dealers or whoever, Ma, almost always at least one person. Yeah, you better exactly. keep a calendar, <laughs> see? You better keep a detailed yeah. calendar of what's going on, see? Right. There's almost always some person who ends up taking none of the fall and ends up coming out sort of seeming like a hero because they were willing to go state's evidence. And that's the way our justice system is defined, is there's always the inside guy who can release all the information. So I think there might be part of it that it's like whoever keeps the best records is the best witness for the state, and they can end up turning everyone in, becoming famous, writing their book at home instead of in jail, and getting off scot-free for whatever they did. Meanwhile, they're hedging, and if no one ever gets caught, they make money doing whatever illicit thing they're doing anyway so i think a lot i think that might be the most logical motivation and explanation of things like that they have all the evidence and it gives them leverage on anybody else they can blackmail anyone else is if you know if it hasn't come to light yet they can say look i've got it all on a calendar i've got it all written down if i'm going down you're going down with me story when you were showing me the five bank robberies that you had planned then with that calendar is that is that the whole point that you were trying to do there because you want to make sure just in case Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So the oh, problem with oh, that theory is that I've seen that. a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people go down on their own evidence. 
and sometimes what happens is you lose control of the evidence and it just gets used against you. Right. So if that's indeed what they're doing, a lot of people really miscalculate, right? I mean, all of these, I mean, Kenneth Lay certainly did not benefit from having records detailing all of his legal activities. What do you think about the general principle, though, of the idea of, you know, someone always is able to go state's evidence and then end up getting off scot-free? But it just seems a, it's a, just a, risky, it's a very it's a very risky thing to count on. I mean, a lot of people don't get that opportunity. I mean, you figure you need one guy to take down, you know, many, many. I mean, I'm working on a case now. I can't give details at all, but there's, you know, there are like but 20 defendants. <laughs> but here are but the details. No, I can tell you <laughs> right. this. There are 20 defendants. And one of them, maybe, when you say get, get off scot-free, I mean, that's not going to happen. They're, they're going to get less jail time. And 19 are going to get full jail time. And it's really risky for any one of them to assume that they would be the one that could, you know, because it, think game theory. If everybody operates on that premise, then everybody will, will have the, what they need to turn state's evidence. And, and you know, the right. likelihood that it will actually work for you does, it goes way down. Plus, so if that's how people are behaving, it's a very poor idea. Plus the benefit, it seems to me, you know, of creating this system where you're, you know, just in case you keep this stuff. Like, I think in most of these cases, the most profit you're going to get is going to be for as long as you don't get caught. And obviously, the fewer records you keep, the less likely it is that you are going to be caught or have anything proven against you. So it seems like what you're talking about story is sort of like a just-in-case type of thing. But the just-in-case could make it easier for you, not less easy for you to be prosecuted. And on top of that, it seems like most of the time, if you keep records out of the chain, you know, you're, you're, you're over overall profit ratio is going to be higher like you can if you keep evidence on the assumption that if you get caught it might help you make something out of it plus escape jail time that's fine but that pretty much means going in that you think you're going to be caught and this is the only way you can avoid it like it seems you're less likely to get caught Let if you don't have this question, evidence though. this just occurred to me is it illegal to do steroids in baseball but otherwise fine to take these steroids or are these illegal substances across the board no i think because they're illegal substances they're illegal substances across the board except when prescribed they're by doctors they're they're okay. more illegal outside of baseball than in baseball yeah. in baseball they're just something you get fined for and maybe suspended um whereas they're actually illegal okay. uh, because if in, they were in, only you know, illegal to use in a baseball context but otherwise were relatively no. fine it would make sense because they're not incriminating themselves about anything, and the baseball players are the only ones who get in trouble. But if they're illegal across the board, then I don't know. I don't know. No, nope, they're illegal. The conscience coming through. They're illegal across the board, except for when they're prescribed by doctors or things like that. Actually, and and you know, it's it's interesting. I don't know if you guys were reading about this, but baseball is actually going to start selling. Have you heard this? They're going to start selling to their players their own supplements. Like, they're going to regulate what supplements there are, and you're basically, all your supplements are going to come through MLB, and through MLB-approved doctors. And if you don't go through them, then basically... That's a great idea. So it's not going to be any more of this, I just happened to randomly take this thinking it was, you know, the root of the hugababa plant, and it turned out to be, you know, human growth hormone. <laughs> like, that's not going to happen anymore because of this stuff. Well, in, in fairness, human growth hormone looks a lot like the root of the hugababa plant, so... <laughs> That, that is it's a legitimate same, excuse. It's even the same like acronym, HGH. Hooga booga. <laughs> That's right. Uh, wow. I'm totally expecting go. an aftermap from our friend Kevin who's going to be like, well, actually, Greg, the hookabooga plant is, you know. Yes, indeed. Uh, well, fair enough. Yes, uh, to answer your question, I forgive Gary Sheffield. 
and everyone else. I forgive all. Today is Forgiveness Day. Everyone's getting a free pass today. Well, I don't. I don't. I don't forgive. Um, so I mean, are we just not going to have power hitters in baseball? Are all these guys going to get kicked out of baseball, and we're going to have? You know, an empty hall. Yeah, power hitters like, before people were taking steroids. That's true. Well, sure, but I mean, what I'm saying is, all guy people we think Aaron, of power hitters right now. If everyone, if everyone's going down right now, I mean, should we start preparing the Hall of Fame for UNESCO Betancourt? I mean, what's going, <laughs> going well, on? Well, do here? you know actually who ends up looking really good out of all this? I think is Ken Griffey Jr. Because in all, it seems very likely that Ken Griffey Jr. was not one of the ones taking steroids. And from this era, he's really the only guy that you can say that isn't doesn't have some... Sh- sit on like, the bench for 400 straight games. Yeah, well... Yeah, yeah but I mean, he's still got 500, pl- still 500 plus <laughs> home runs. Hey, man, still 500 plus home runs without doing steroids. I mean, if he was doing steroids, it wouldn't have been injured every it's other true. day, you know? Do we know? Do we... I mean, how can... You know, that's the whole problem. He yeah. didn't take. Know, st- how do we know he didn't become injury prone because of steroids? What did he take? The worst steroid. Well, <laughs> yeah, but the steroid. What the injuries he was getting were not the ones that steroids typically lead to. You know, steroids generally lead to joint breakdown and I mean, things like that. You know, he had freak injuries. I, I have no reason to believe he did. I'm just saying, at this point, that's the the big problem. Is it, it's hard to tell because it's not like steroids affect everyone the same way. So you can't just look at some people and say, well, they bulked up or they got a certain kind of injury. I mean, the problem is. You can only look at those factors and say it points to the fact that they probably did. It doesn't exonerate people who didn't get those particular uh, side effects because not everybody bulks up the same way. Not everyone is is going to get the same injuries. It's a real problem. I mean, I find it has, has really tainted the game for me. Yeah, I mean, it is a concern. And I think that a lot of cases, I mean, especially with the Barry Bonds thing, I've heard a lot of people talk about, you know, the different aspects of Barry Bonds' career and whether he would or he wouldn't or whether he get in, gets in or he doesn't. And what I, what I don't understand, and maybe this is just the American thing, that Americans like to tear somebody down, and then right after that's done, they love to be like the comeback kids, and they love to watch these guys try to come back. But, you know, like I was listening to Jason Giambi being interviewed and the other day, and, he's just, and they were asking him sort of obliquely about steroids. He's like, well, you know, I've kind of moved beyond that, you know, shockingly. I've moved beyond that, and I'm moving on, and da-da-da-da-da. And they were, they were sort of, and the guy was just sort of effusive. The interviewer was just like, so how did it feel to be comeback player of the year? He's like, well, I just worked really hard. I'm like, or you went back on steroids. And the guy later on, some guy asked him that question. Some guy called in and said, well, you know, don't you think one of the reasons he was doing better was because of steroids? He's like, that's totally unfair. You can't say that. I mean, he's the comeback player of the year. And I'm like, why, why could people not say that somebody who was an incredible player, then became a shell of himself, like was eaten alive by a tumor, and then somehow came back and became, not uh, once again, the player that he used to be and looked exactly the same size, shape, and everything else that he was before. Why is it so out of bounds to believe that he might have been doing steroids again? Like, what what is that all about? Well, it's just Sounds every, like Richard Nixon there, in that description. There are two... There are two yeah. fashions. There Nixon's are steroid scandal was really who bad. Who will never be able to... That's <laughs> true. There are those people who will never be able to to trust anybody in the game again. And then there are those people who say, let's just get past this, let's just forget about it. You know, we want the game to go on. And it, it's there's very little middle ground. Not many people feel like, eh, steroids, okay, that sucks, but it's fine. It's either people are really upset or people just want to forget about it. And, and I guess this is just life in general. There are people who focus I think on I'm things in the middle and ground. people want to forget about them. Are you? Yeah, I mean, I think I definitely, like, I, I'm never going to go without baseball, you know? I mean, I, they could announce tomorrow that half of the people playing baseball are aliens, and, you know, it's illegal for aliens to play baseball. 
and I'd just be like, you know, okay, great, the game will move on. You know, I was I was perhaps the only person who was excited about, not just fine with, but actually excited about replacement players. I was like, bring it. It's still baseball. It's still the same teams. Like, who cares if they're not the names we got used to? We'll get used to new names. We'll have a replacement. That's fine. I don't care. Like, I just love baseball, and I love the teams that I like, you know? I love the Mariners. Like, I don't know. I, I think baseball is sort of eminently resilient. So, you know, but yeah, the steroid stuff, it's not like I just totally don't care. I'm like, what's the big deal, you know? Uh, it's unfortunate. So, you know, but it's not like I don't think it'll kill the game. It makes me sad, and it definitely brings up lots of questions for statistics records and the Hall of Fame and interesting debates. But, you know, but baseball will survive. So... I don't know. I feel like I'm sort of ambivalent about the whole thing. I guess you know, baseball keeps having these things thrown at it, but it's still baseball. It's still, you know, it's still one of my great loves. I guess the so. one thing that's bothersome to me, because I, you know, all three of us here love, you know, and Russ too when he's here, we all love baseball. And I guess the thing that bothers me about it is, I remember very distinctly in ninety, was it ninety eight? It was ninety eight uh, during the whole the home run chase when basically McGuire and Sosa, you know, saved baseball. And I remember watching that and just being, you know, mesmerized like everybody else was. And it does piss me off that all of that was just bullshit. And that the fact that baseball knew it was bullshit and looked the other way. And all of that was just garbage. I mean, I, I'm not naive enough to think that, you know, people said, well, you know, players always, you know, they took greenies and they did other things with amphetamines. And so it's not like, and I'm not naive enough to believe, but, but steroids is something which so clearly, de, you know, defines and establishes you as a better player you know, if you do the workouts necessary, it just increases your power and all that other stuff that we know about, that it does bother me that all of that stuff that was being done in 98 was being done on a house of cards. It was all crap. And and that does bother me a lot. I mean, yeah, it's not for the but future. I, mean, I don't not, know, but... Not to push it too far, but I mean, is there a huge difference between someone who was just born gigantic and someone who took steroids to become gigantic? I mean, there's a difference. I'm not saying there's no distinction. But is it so great that it just changes everything and it just undermines the whole meaning of the game? I'm just asking. Well, yeah, because I and think if so how? I, because I think at that point it becomes about the quality of the drugs and not the quality of the genetics. I think that all of a sudden. Well, why is the quality of the genetics such a great thing to be testing? Like, why is it like? I mean, it's like I know Americans love the accident of birth and the advantages that we get from it, but why? Isn't that actually kind of lousy and unfair? Well, I think that there's always. I, I should say not just accident genetics. I should. I should say there's a combination of talent that you have and then the amount that you're able to work. And one of the nice things about, you know, sports and things like that is that it is possible if you work very hard or if you have other benefits to be able to I mean, get, think, think of an example of Larry of uh, basketball and Larry Bird, right? Larry Bird, not the most athletically gifted player ever. You guys have all seen that one picture where he, like, tried to dunk the ball and he, like, barely got above the rim. I mean, it was not a pretty sight. And yet Larry Bird is one of the great basketball players ever because he was a smart player and because he worked harder than everybody else and because he had a great shot that he developed after, you know, literally, you know, 10, 12, 13 hours in the gym every day. Um, so there's always that balance of genetics and everything else. At the point when drugs get introduced, then it essentially becomes not about the athlete. Like, let me put it this way, story. Leaving the moral thing aside, if the 
athletes themselves were the ones making the drugs, you could make the argument that they were somehow, with their own skill in designing <laughs> drugs, okay. somehow... This is great. I love this. I mean, like, you could make... I'm not saying I agree with this at all. This is they a stupid really argument. Drafting, if they were alchemists. You would always draft the one <laughs> science nerd for your team. <laughs> exactly. You'd be like the MIT guy. No, awesome. but do you guys Who know what I mean? Do you guys know what I mean? I mean, obviously, I think this no, is, this I is silly. I think that's, but I'm just I think saying, that's a great argument. But I'm saying that's just an individual thing. You know, the fact that some other guy from Balco or wherever it is, he's the one responsible then really creates a situation of inequality quite apart from the fact of course that you know it's going to kill these people off when they're you know in their 40s but we'll leave that aside but that's the main thing is that it means some other variable some guy other than the athlete is the one who's doing the drug work <laughs> or is doing the work on the thing and that's a problem i mean but by that token just to push that argument by that token the players should be out there doing their own scouting and figuring out their own lineups by themselves i mean having no that's all no no in some ways and imbalancing i don't agree because that's all team oriented stuff this is about what you do to make yourself the best player individually that you can be. Okay, so if I instead of Falco, just a team chemist on each on each <laughs> team, and you like drafted your chemist and you could sign contracts. Dude, the Red Sox would win every year. Every like year, they've got MIT, they got <laughs> Harvard. They would win every single freaking year. Right, be great. Because all of the baseball players in the Boston area get drafted to to the Red Sox too. Well, that's not the no, point. I'm I saying you'll be attracted to free work. agents. You know, Barry Bonds would be like, I've decided <laughs> to go. sign with Boston because they clearly have the best chemical program. <laughs> be great. Well, I've already I mean, given up know. on baseball for a variety of reasons. I mean, it's become clear to me that it's really just a game between the general managers and the players are really chess pieces. I mean, there's. There's no reason to to love the players, and the only pride that you can get out of your team is the idea that somehow you've landed the best general manager, and how can you even be proud of that? It's not even like the general manager is usually from your particular city. I mean, sometimes they are, and maybe you can be proud and say, you know, our city produces great general managers, and maybe you could have been proud if, if teams actually meant the players from that area played for their team. But it's kind of a weird thing to invest pride into because it really has nothing to do with you. It's really about one guy who puts together a team, and even that is skewed because of the resources, and, you know, some teams have more to work with than others. It's just, it's hard to, once you get over the age of 16, I think it's hard to not be affected by that. It was for me, at least. No. See, uh, this is... this is I, di I couldn't disagree with you more, and I think it has the same thing to do with the accident of birth. That, like, that's what's so great about sports, is that you get to pick what you like. You can pick... You don't have to root for your hometown city. I mean, sometimes it's more convenient, and often you do. How would you choose, but, though? But, you know, what would you Greg's choose a Pittsburgh on? fan. I mean, like my hockey teams. I like the I that my two favorite hockey teams are because I like their mascots. Okay, it's partially because I don't care that much what about hockey, they? but like I love the Pittsburgh Penguins because they're the Penguins, and that's great. And I've always liked the Canucks because I like their logo. Canuck is kind of a weird <laughs> name, but their logo it always has the orca. Yep. It's awesome. Okay, but can you be proud so, of that? I don't are, understand the pride people have. Okay, because what does it have to do I mean, with what you? I'm saying is, why does it make any more sense? I think it's just as irrational, but being open about how irrational it is as liking America because you happen to be born there or liking yeah, you know I your agree. county because you happen to be born I there. I agree. Like I think that well, you could all say it that does, I have all you have genetic similarity to it, these to the people that allows you choice. in your area. Right, which is racist. I mean there's a reason I mean, to be proud of your brother, right? Why are you proud your of genetic, your brother when your brother does something or your parents or your children? Because you have a genetic connection to them. I mean, because you care about but, them. Okay, Maybe but you I think care, you can, I mean I care about people in my hometown right, more than other people. This is the difference between friends and family, though, right? 
this is the difference because I would say that it's sort of more meaningful a lot of the time. Not that I don't love my parents and my family, but it's often more meaningful to have pride in your friends or, you know, to get out something out of a connection with friends because you chose those people, not because th you happen to be stuck with those people. I think that's the distinction between sports and other sort of things that you root for, patriotism or other things like that, is that you get to choose it, and in some way that choice makes it more meaningful than just people that you happen to be handed down with. You know, so and you choose uh, that's random, why random millionaire athletes who, who come and go into the team you choose randomly, not even randomly, based on some guy's decision. So even if you do decide, I like this particular team because, you know, there's something about the way they behave that I can really relate to, you know, they're a fun-loving team, those guys will get traded for, for economic reasons anyhow, or they'll leave, even worse, they'll leave the team because they want to make more money. How can you feel anything about that? Because... I've always rooted for teams and not individuals. I mean, I like certain individuals. You know, I really like Ichiro. I love Randy Johnson, you know, because uh, I look like him. No, I don't know. I, you know, I really did, you know, but, and I still can have a fondness for some of those individuals. I liked Ken Griffey Jr., and then he betrayed the team, and I don't like him anymore, you know. So, but my connection is to the team. It's not to the individual athletes and I might get something out of enjoying some of the particular athletes but I don't root for you know I don't go around being a fan of the individuals that happen to be collected now maybe that's because I'm a product of the free agency era and in the old days you know someone who rooted in the 50s this might be an anathema to them and not, might not make any sense and that's fine but I don't know I think there's something about rooting for a team its theme its city its logo the camaraderie you share with fans and I will admit that it is almost wholly irrational. I mean, honestly, any interest in following sports is almost well. Wholly I mean, irrational. look at the look it's, at the it's kind of right. a look at the time. long term. But it's a re, it's a recreational pursuit yeah. that you enjoy. Look at the long term. I mean, look look at the the long word version of the word fan is fanatic, right? So I mean, there's a degree to which sports following in general is irrational. I just think that because it sounds. I think Andy, this is one of the reasons that you do as well in fantasy sports as you do because you look at things in the sort of very like it's it's that kind of a game in terms of moving the chess pieces around. It's funny that actually that that's exactly what Bronson Arroyo said when he was traded from the Red Sox. He said, you know, it's just like being a chess piece moved from one place to another. And I totally understand what you're saying in that that's regard. That's a great example. But it's a great. I think he was a great guy I, who loved the city. Bostonians could be proud of him because he had pretty much adopted the city as his second home. He he talked about how much he loved it. Is one example where I could think of possibly following a, a team because of of the players and feeling like you had something in common with them, and then they just go and trade him. You know. The thing that I have to say about that is, I mean, all of that is true, and, you know, and I accept that. The problem is, and I, th I think Are this, we in a submarine? This is what, what? Is there some reason I'm hearing submarine noises? Uh, you may have heard a ping because I... I, I yeah, that's the pinging. See, the problem that's is the that pinging. both... That's I've, I've never, never heard, heard it pinging. before. Yeah, yeah. I've never actually heard it before. I'm sorry. It sounds like we're yeah, doing, you know... No, tonight, actually. I'm pinging tonight <laughs> we're because... We're doing, so, what is it, sonar... I'm pinging tonight because I also am sick like Andy is, and I have to blow my nose. I assume that people weren't a big fan of having that, you know. Ladies and gentlemen, the MEP report blows its nose, so that's why I'm shutting it down. Anyway, um, but the thing about... My doctor today asked me what my mucus looked like. Isn't that awesome? She's like, so can you describe your mucus to me? Can you tell me a little bit about it? Describe your, your mucus. I can show you. <laughs> Good. Now, now your mucusy. <laughs> so the thing about the the thing about the, the where I totally agree with story though about is, and I think the thing is that last thing you said, which is camaraderie with the fans, because I think basically you're rooting for the team partially because of the team's connection to the city. 
And I think the team's connection to the city is important because, you know, when, when Andy, when you and I go hang out at the bar in New York City that basically has Red Sox fans in it, right? One of the reasons we like it there, we don't know any of these people. Like, a lot of these people we may disagree with politically. You guys or Minnesota skinny there? You know, yeah, God, not Minnesota <laughs> skinny. certainly do. But, I mean, like, you know, we go through that, and we, we have a good time sort of hanging out with these people who are Red Sox fans because the thing that brings us together is that we're all Red Sox fans. I'm sure Story would say the same thing about Mariners fans. I felt the same way when That's I was definitely a talking. To it's artificial. I was talking to Steelers fans. Yeah, but who cares? It's like, totally but artificial. But a lot of things are artificial, it's 100% Andy. Artificial, Andy, the only reason that any of us know each other and are on this podcast is because we all went to Brandeis. I mean, how random is that? Like, that's totally that's artificial. It's a shared experience. Yeah, but it's a shared that's experience a to be a fan. Experience. But it's a shared experience to be a fan. I remember yes, in 1986. But, but it's a sh- it's I remember in 1986 listening on a yes. little piece of crap radio. Um, and it was my freshman year of high school, right. and listening to this piece of crap radio as the Red Sox lost, you know, whatever it was, game game seven of the World Series to the but Mets. That's experience for its own sake. Do you see the difference? It's for its own sake. We didn't go to Brandeis just to have some way to connect with people. We went there for a particular reason that was part of our lives. Yeah, but we go this to a baseball that game. Was invented. Yeah, but we go to a baseball game because we enjoy watching baseball. We would rather root for a team right. that wins that because comes- it's a good team. And then everyone else who's with us, that ends up feeling the same way. And all of a sudden we have this connection. You know, and that's the idea. Right. But we sort of build that on, you know, I guess the one thing we could have in common is that we like the sport of baseball. But anything about the team has, I mean, the team has nothing to do with Boston, really, right? None of these teams has anything particularly, I mean, the owners are often from different cities. Everybody has, uh, it's very rare that an owner will have They play a half their games the there? They play right, in front of the fans there? They answer to the media there? Their ballpark is built they there? They contribute that's to charities there? So what if they're not from there? Everyone in America is from, like, five different places, except the people that we don't I like. Think it would I mean, be come really, on. <laughs> what did you I just think say? Really except, except people you don't if, like. If you had to recruit from your area. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I it's it like be, people who just stay in one place all the time. You don't like those people? Probably, Wouldn't you know, it be really neat if everybody on your team was from that area? Those are the kinds of people we don't like. We apologize to those people. I mean, wouldn't it be interesting? Of course, there's not, not everyone on the team if, from from Seattle. But wouldn't of it be interesting that, if that were true? Wouldn't it be interesting? Well, I mean, it would be bad baseball, relatively speaking. You would have the entire American Baseball League shut out of anyone from the Caribbean, anyone from Japan, any of you know half the good players in the world yep. would not but be eligible how it used to play. Be, and we had fine that baseball. Would be ridiculous. No that's world how it baseball until class. the 70s, and we had but, fine baseball. <sighs> Fine, Great. So let's but not the best. Absolutely I mean, fine. Fine, tremendous. but not the best players. You didn't have the best players, and you didn't have. No, the point was, I'm not talking about segregation story. I'm not, I'm not saying that. Well, you in a way, you players. are. You're forbidding. Yes, you're forbidding international. I mean, I'm not saying you're advocating going back to the Negro leagues, obviously. But you're. It's a form of. You segregation. make it sound like it's, it's a, a crime against them. I, I mean, we don't let most people come and work premier, in the U.S. Story. It's not like anybody I think can just that's come to the U.S. Too. and work. I think that's. Farcical. I think that's ridiculous. I think that's what's one of the big things that's wrong with the country. So, you know, All that right. argument doesn't hold a lot of sway with me. But just it would make, this one would be different because it would you would be saying our standard. You could just have a team from Cuba. You could have a team. I mean, maybe Cuba wouldn't work so well because of our relationship. But you could have a Venezuelan-based team that would be part of the league. So, Andy, you're talking about the World Baseball sure. Classic all the time, right? Basically, yeah. yeah. Except, you yeah. know, you have people from New England playing for Boston, people from New York playing for New York. Yeah. And In what addition, if you want to move? I mean, I, I think the is problem your is that that could be really abused. Where you want to live? I mean, what do you what do you do? You know, I've I've lived I'm from five different places that are all over the country. 
say I wanted to play baseball. And well, I guess like, you're just not no, allowed to play baseball you then. Know. You yeah, shouldn't have exactly, moved around so right. much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Give fault. me a break. <laughs> right. I rest my case. I think the problem, you could choose any of the cities. Story, there's no, there's no Albuquerque. Yeah. It could be any city no that you moved to you got before to worry you started playing professional. Before you started professionally playing, any city you ever oh, lived okay. in for so a, I could just some amount of time. Amongst. So there would actually be the, the baseball players, when they were out of baseball themselves and raising children, would just move every week <laughs> to make sure that their <laughs> child had the maximum no, number of options to pick of time. from. Let's say <laughs> well, a minimum okay. of a year. You have 50 <laughs> home cities to choose from, Mr. Jones. What okay. would you like? Here you go. We've given you the best opportunity. Pick the pennant winner. I anybody would actually do that. I doubt that Oh, I don't. Do I totally I don't. don't. I don't know, We man. know some parents right now that do the People most bizarre things. People are injecting steroids into themselves. Yes. People are currently shortening their lives by 40 years exactly. to gain an advantage in baseball. And you doubt people would move every year, exactly. which is something some people do anyway? To gain an adva- a possible advantage for a child who may or may not ever play the game. Hey, man, there are some there people, are are well, people who go know. on to play baseball. I think there's a lot of presumption along these people. I don't think there was a whole lot of debate growing up in the Griffey household or the Ripken household about whether they'd be playing baseball at some point. Yep. I don't think there was Two a lot of, of choice like there. A thousand players in, in, in Major League Baseball that there are every year. Andy. Those, you, the fact that there are only a few examples and they seem extraordinary underlines the point that most people don't follow Absolutely their, not. Their there was never a moment in the Crisp household where Coco Crisp was not going to play baseball. <laughs> All right, Coco. Baseball, go! What? Is Coco Crisp somebody's kid? Well, I hope so. Yeah, Captain Crunch's kid. Yeah, man. <laughs> He's on a holy union okay. with Count Chocula. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Count Chocula, did you expect it to be holy? <laughs> oh, oh I thought it was a serial killer. Okay. All right. <laughs> Woo. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Uh, I think it's interesting, though, that, that we wow. somehow, that, that somehow this got into a discussion of, like, sort of American immigration policy. I mean, I, I guess I know what you mean, Andy, but I'm not, oh, yeah. I'm not sure why... I mean, maybe if we were the kind of people who, like, were really angry about... But I mean, I have to admit, like, when the Red Sox won in 2004, one of the great things about that was because, you know, there had been so long since they had won, and I had followed the team for 20 years at that point, and it was great that they finally won it. I didn't walk around and say, hey, it's so great that I spent all this time and effort on work, you know, but I had followed them, and it was a long-term sort of thing, and I did think it made some kind of a difference. It didn't change my life either way, but I think it was really great, and walking around the city, it was really great for the city. I don't really think it's, you know, I don't think that that's necessarily a big deal. I mean, it's not, you know, rational well, thing, but, you, you know, I don't know that, I guess I don't see I what mean, your big concern about it is. Everybody seems to understand the Olympics. I mean, let me preempt. I know Story won't understand the Olympics, but everybody else who understands some tie to their nation that they that they are from, right, they live in, right. seems to understand the pride that you get from your your team doing well in the Olympics. But this is pro so sports. I don't understand why you couldn't have the similar pride for your local sports team. Yeah, but you have. But say these are the people from Boston or New England. But wait a minute, Andy. I, I got think th- relating to something that's based on the accident of birth is irrational. And sports no, admitting sorry. that it's irrational I is just taking it one I, step further. Yeah, he's preempted. I know. I understand, I understand this. But most people but, don't think it's irrational. No. one should believe that. <laughs> but they should. We okay? They should recognize story. how you feel, that story. It's totally random. What happened to Tolerant Story from the beginning born? of the show? We lost him. What happened to Compassion yeah, Guy? That, that ship has failed. That ship has that's failed. That's a story I we know and love. Hey, wait. No. I have two things to say about that, though. People listening today 
will agree that they have some amount of connection to the United States if they're from the United States, or from Ger- to Germany if they're from Germany, that they feel that they're like the people or from their country in some way, if not religion or Center. language or culture. And I, I certainly feel the same way about New England. I feel like even though I certainly have more in common with people from any part of the U.S. than most any other country in the world, I especially have things in common with, with other New Englanders, a, a shared culture, uh, you know, a, a shared way of thinking, an attitude about life. It's not universally the same, but there, I feel more comfortable for some reason. Slightly, but Andy, slightly can, more comfortable but Andy, can I give people from New England, and I feel like there's a pride in being a New Englander, and I'd be much easier to tap into that if I felt like New Englanders were representing us in the baseball league, and not just a hodgepodge of people from all over the U.S. and the world. But Andy, it just it sort of saps my pride. Can I give you an idea, though? Can I give you a, a, a comment about something, since this is going on right now? As, as you guys probably know, my favorite sport to actually watch for a long time has been college basketball. And both in college basketball and especially in high school football, which is not a big deal up here, but is and not in any of the places where we live, but it's a very big deal if you get down to the south or places in the Midwest. There you have real connections, and the reason that you're there is because, you know, you grew up in that town, you grew up in that community by and large, even if you're talking about college, you've been there for four years, you know, you've put money into it, you chose to come to that school. I mean, there it's not an accident of birth, it's I chose to come to the place. So in the case of college basketball, I think you do have that passion, and this is basically the reason I bring that up is that's the difference between amateur sports and pro sports. And the big difference is amateur sports, college and high school and things like that, are based upon where you live, and then in college it's based upon where you choose to go. Pro sports then becomes something where you're paying money, and it's a little bit different in terms of what you you know want to have what you want to be a fan of or not but i would say that you're making a distinction between amateur and pro sports basically so you're just somebody who would prefer amateur sports you'd prefer college sports college football as an example you would prefer something like that to pros it sounds like i i do like college football i'm a big university of florida fan i went to the university of florida so that's for what three i mean years. i'm a big fan i definitely and i just would like to see pros be similar to that because it would be that same high level of play I don't know that it would but be you though. Would have that same level of. Uh, would it be that way? Well, I agree that you. Well, I agree that some the. I think the biggest problem that you guys haven't quite gotten at with with my suggestion is that a, the Florida team would always kick ass, and the Texas team would always kick ass, <laughs> and the New England team would actually have a hard time because baseball. It, it, it's hard to play baseball in New England because you don't have as much warmth, so you can only play for certain parts of the year. Whereas, but if it's you played hockey in Florida, you would be in deep trouble if you were in Tennessee. That's right. Their team would be great. And I think hockey is actually, hockey is a great example of, of this actually happening. Now, I think people will find that to be funny because they'll say, what do you mean? There are all kinds of Czechs and Russians in the NHL. And that's true. But if you look at the Boston lineup, you got, you know, people from all over the world and, and from Canada, from all over the country. But you have a real high percentage of people from the New England area, and they, they tend to recruit locally much more in hockey. I don't know why and that is. And the Phoenix Coyotes are all people who grew up in the desert playing sand hockey. And <laughs> no, Dallas Stars, teams too. can't do that at all. But if you look at the, <laughs> the traditional eight, you know, the, the big eight teams that are the, the original NHL, NHL teams, you'll notice that, you know, and it's easier because they're all in the north. But they all seem to recruit much more locally than in other sports. The new teams, I mean, I think the worst thing that the NHL ever did was to try to, to have teams in the South. It's just stupid. Oh, yeah, I mean, totally. They, they tend, it's just I, ridiculous. I mean, they, they want yeah, to have a league. Why it's, make money it's just, when you can sell five tickets a year in Winnipeg? Well, no, 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 no. But that's well, I'm not, not saying that. But story. I'm not saying they have to stay in Winnipeg. I'm just saying. 
<laughs> Do you think Tampa Bay does well? Exactly. Selling exactly. Tickets? That's not Selling a good sports town. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's a good football town. Dude, those people do not have anything else to do no. in their entire life. Yes, they do. They have Tampa Bay football. and watch things. That's a football town, not okay, a hockey but, town. I'm saying sports in general. They can watch anything. But the, the football, that's eight games a year. All they can do in Tampa Bay is go to the grocery store and sit and watch Story. Them, okay? By that, so give them more things to sit and by watch. By that argument, we should have I'm all four really sports teams in Fargo tomorrow by this argument because those people have nothing I'm, to do ever. I'm arguing... <laughs> no. I'm arguing that the average age in Tampa Bay is 62, Andy. If you're not seeing where I'm going with that. Oh, Tampa Bay is not clever. a great example of that. I mean, most of the retired people in Florida don't live in the big cities. I mean, Tampa St. Pete, though, is the highest per capita of a city. Well, where was that high school teacher or from? City. Of, what what town city. was she from, but, actually? But that's because she was from Tampa. Aha! Uh -huh. There you go. So they have it something to do together. with their lives, Story. That's that's the important thing. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, oh, man. Oh, man. Yes, the something being go to Ocala to find 14-year-olds. Amen. That's really an exciting time. That's the recruiting base, I hear. Speaking of being faithful to where you come from. <laughs> Some <laughs> local talent. <laughs> Woo. Uh, oh man! Well, okay. Believe it or not, gentlemen. Well, yeah. On that so, note, <laughs> oh, I believe we've it. actually come to the end of an hour, and uh, we would like Sad to. But true. We would like to thank all of you for uh, listening to us today. We hope you had a good time. You made it, bronchitis. And yeah, all, good job, Andy. Andy. Well done, I bronchitis. Know, I got so excited about these arguments. It was great. You know, we learned today about baseball. We learned about why uh, high school teachers and 14-year-olds need to not be misinterpreted, you know, if it's true love and if it's a hot person who's the teacher. Um, we learned all these things true today. True love. True love. Mowage. Yeah. And um, we hope you guys will please make sure that um, <laughs> you email us at Greg or Russ or Story or Andy at MetReport.com. Please do that. Please join our ever-growing listener base by subscribing. Let us know what you think. Please vote for us at Podcast the Alley. the rationality of sports versus nation, exactly which is more rational to root for and why and isn't it good to embrace the irrational because they're all irrational there will be a quiz yeah. next week I think please so. keep this in mind and with the last word I'm sorry for <laughs> good night and good luck <laughs> I, 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 I can't I can't so we'll see you guys Let's next week the music. Eddie have a good time in Italy we we'll see you guys soon <laughs> say goodbye everybody goodbye everybody everybody goodbye <laughs>